I'm going to start a series and I'll be ministering on this all weekend long. And uh, I'm going to be talking about the key to spiritual maturity. And I'm going to get into this in just a second, but I want you to think about this. What do you think the key to spiritual maturity is? So I want you to answer this to yourself, not out loud. And let me just say, first of all, that this is subjective. I know that this could be a different, different people could have different opinions, but it's my meeting. And so my opinion counts, praise God. I'm going to share with you what I consider to be the key to spiritual maturity, but I want you to just think about it right now. You know, I, I th- here's some things that I thought of. Some people could say, well, it's being born again. Well, being born again is absolutely essential. It's like a foundation of everything. You aren't going to progress. You can't grow spiritually in the Lord without being born again. But I know slew of born again people that aren't spiritually mature. That is not the key. Uh, The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to definitely emphasize the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll see hundreds of people baptized in the Holy Spirit during these meetings. I think it's absolutely essential, but I know lots of people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit that are still very, very immature. And so what else? Some people talk about prayer. Prayer is absolutely essential. And prayer is important, but again, uh, like I was saying when I introduced that book, Jesus said hypocrites love to pray, and hypocrites are not spiritually mature. Prayer doesn't grant you spiritual maturity. Some people might say faith. Well, faith is absolutely essential, and I think that uh, you know we're moving into things now that once you start seeing a person operate in faith, I think that that's one of the indications of spiritual maturity. But you know, similar to like, if you went to a tool shed or something, there's a lot of things that you can use to work and accomplish things. But what is it that opens up that tool shed and gives you access to all of these things that help mature you? You could go on and on and talk about love. Love is absolutely essential. And I think that that's one of the characteristics of a person who's spiritually mature. And just on and on we could go. But here's what I want to say is that I believe that the number one key and the missing ingredient to so many people is just being absolutely committed to and controlled by the Word of God. The Word of God is like the key that unlocks everything else. And I am not saying this to preach down to anybody. I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, but I'm saying this trying to establish that this really is true and it's important. That as we travel and hold meetings like this, the vast majority of people that come to me and to our prayer ministers down here for prayer and that they want ministry, the vast majority, you could take their biblical knowledge and put it in a thimble and it would rattle around in there. And there's people that come and they just can't understand why God hasn't moved in their life. They believe that there is a God and they believe that God answers prayer. But like, for instance, we ask people often, all right, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture is it that your faith is based on? Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're believing for something like, for instance, a physical healing, well, then what scripture do you have 
to base that healing on? Where's your faith coming from? And the vast majority of people will say, well, I don't know. I just think it's God's will to heal or I hope it's God's will to heal. They don't have a scripture. You know, it's like trying to hang a picture on the wall. If you don't put a nail or a screw or something to hang that thing and to hold the weight, it's no different than just sticking a picture up on the wall and watching the thing fall down and nothing to hold it up. There's a lot of people that don't have any scripture that they are using to pin their faith to and to believe God. And they're coming and they're believing God for a healing of cancer. And they don't even know what the word says about it. And I've had some people say, well, you know, I think it says somewhere. I forgot if it's in the old Testament or in the new, I don't know, someplace in there. Doesn't it say that we were healed by his stripes? You know what? That's not going to get it. You're going to have to have a little bit more interaction and personal knowledge of the word of God than to say that I think I heard somebody say this or that or something else. I was talking to one person tonight who came up and needed a healing of something. And they said that they just had somebody prophesy to them that God gave them this sickness, trying to teach them something and to make them better. And I said, no. And uh, they mentioned it two or three times and two or three times I said, no. And finally they said, but they were a prophet. And I said, well, they were a false prophet. Amen. I said, no, God didn't do this. But if you don't have the right knowledge, you aren't going to get the right results. Look at this passage of scripture over in second Peter chapter one. Let's start here. Second Peter chapter one. In verse one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know that there is enough knowledge imparted in that one verse to turn most people's theology right side up? That is one powerful verse. I hesitate to even point it out because I have spent multiple services preaching on that one verse. This is radical stuff, radical stuff. Some of you are looking at me with a glazed over look like what's in that verse. Real quickly, let me just point out a couple of things. I'm not going to stay there, but it says to them that have obtained like precious faith. If you look that up in the Greek, it means identical identical, the exact same faith. It doesn't mean it's just similar that Paul had this huge, great amount and you have a little tiny bit of the same thing. It's saying you have identical faith. Excuse me. This is Peter to what Peter did. Peter walked by and his shadow touched people and they were raised up. You have that same faith. Now see right here, there's a disconnect. Most people do not believe that. Most people believe that faith works and that faith can produce a miracle, but the problem is I just don't have any. And they spend their time saying, oh God, give me more faith. You don't need one ounce more faith. You've already got the like precious faith with Peter that saw his shadow touch people, that saw Dorcas raised from the dead. You already have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in you in its full measure. You don't need more faith. You need to, first of all, find out what you've got and how it works. 
The scripture says in Philemon chapter one, verse six, that the communication, that means the release or transferal of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And most Christians do not know what's on the inside of them. They don't think that they have this faith. And so they spend their whole time asking God to give them something that they've already got. Man, I could preach on this for hours and hours and hours, but that is a radical truth right there. And somebody says, well, I don't care what, I know I don't have the same precious faith that Peter had. Well, then just tear first, second Peter out of your Bible, because this is written to people that have like precious faith. If this doesn't apply to you, tear it out of your Bible. Oh, I'd never do that. Well, then maybe you ought to believe what the Bible says. The Bible says you have like precious faith. You know, you'd be wise if you don't see it or understand it, at least be wise enough to say, God, I don't understand this. Would you explain it rather than to say, I don't have it. I know that the Bible says it. You know, I've discovered this, that very, very, very few people let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. I've had people come to me before and say, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. And I, when they do that, I just throw my hands up because I hadn't got any way to con- convince any person or deal with them outside of the word of God. The script, Jesus said himself, traditions and doctrines of men make the word of God of none effect. And brothers and sisters, again, I know that you are the cream of the crop, Thursday night crowd. You were either, you're either a fanatic or you were drugged here by a fanatic. Amen. You aren't the nod to God crowd that just shows up on Sunday morning. So I'm not condemning you, but I can guarantee you that there are many of you that have beliefs and impressions about God that you do not have a scripture to verify. You just, well, this is what I've been taught my whole life. This is what my church believes. And you just pick up some things. Matter of fact, I've read some surveys by Barna and Barna has done uh, surveys with Christians and I forget the statistics now, but he asked, you know, how many believe that the word of God is the infallible word of God and you base your faith on that. And there is a small percentage, somewhere around 15, 25% of born people that claim to be born again, base their doctrines on the word of God. The number one thing that this generation bases their faith on is statements from the word of God interpreted by other people with their own personal life experiences. And they kind of interpret it and come up with their own belief system. That is a shame. That is an absolute disgrace. Man, I could spend days preaching about how important the word is and how that the Lord had people literally give their life and die to translate this because this is the word of God. It is powerful. And yet the average person today does not base their life on it and doesn't know it. And they're just taking someone else's opinion for it. I challenge you to go to the word of God and check out the things I'm saying. I challenge you to go and find out for yourself what the word of God says. And I promise you, if you make a commitment, if you started reading the word of God so that nobody had to tell you what the word said, but you could find out for yourself. And if somebody does tell you what the word says, you go and verify it and find out that it's there and make sure that it's not taken out of context 
Make sure that it's confirmed and verified in other places in scriptures. If you were to start taking this approach, I can guarantee you it would cause you to grow spiritually. And if you continue in the word, you will become spiritually mature. As far as spiritual maturity goes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being born again, there's just a lot of things that are absolutely a part of it. But the word of God to me is the key that unlocks everything else. And again, this is a fanatical group. Praise God, good on you. And yet, if this is a typical group that comes to my meetings, I can guarantee you over 50% of you couldn't tell me where a scripture is. You can't find it. You don't even know for sure. You're just wishing and a hoping and a praying. And because of it, you're stumbling through life and you will not prosper. I'm not saying that to hurt you, to criticize you. I'm just telling you that this is how important the word of God is. And so the point here, and I'm going to quit on verse one, you do have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of you. You've already got it. And see that right there shows why a lot of people aren't working because you, you aren't understanding what you've already got. You're asking God to give you something you've already got. You know, if I gave you my Bible and if you had my Bible in your hand and then you came up and said, could I have your Bible? Could I please look up a scripture in your Bible? How do you respond to a person that's asking you to give them something that they've already got? I'd probably just look at you and, and wonder if your elevator reaches the top floor or I'd probably just be stunned. How do you answer a person that's asking you to give them something that you've already given them? It'd probably just be quiet. I probably wouldn't know what to say. Sounds very similar to what many of us are doing when we say, oh God, please heal me. I believe Jesus, if he could be confused, would be confused. (laughs) I believe he would be telling people, says, uh, you know, talk to one of the angels over here and say, didn't I write that somewhere in the Bible? I know it's somewhere in there that by my stripes, they were healed. I've already done. Why are they asking me to heal them if I've already healed them? Didn't I say that I gave them the same power that raised Christ from the dead and I told them to lay hands on the sick and they would recover? Why are they asking me to do it when they're the ones that have the raising from the dead power? He probably, when people ask him to do something that he's already done, he probably is just stunned, silenced. That's the reason you aren't hearing anything. Why isn't God answering me? It's because he's already done what you're asking him to do. Amen. I hadn't even got to my point yet, but that's a pretty good verse. That is an awesome verse right there. So look in the next verse, verse two. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants the grace, the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Everybody wants this, but you know how most people go about getting it? They pray and ask for it. Oh God, would you please take away this stress? God, would you please give me joy? God, would you please give me peace? Lord, would you just touch my life? They come running to people and they want somebody to wave their hand over them and to do something that just gives you all of these things. This says grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. No knowledge of God, no peace. 
Isaiah 26, three says, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. If you don't have perfect peace, a peace that cannot be upset by what the doctor has to say, by what the lawyer has to say, by what the banker has to say, by what the evening news has to say. If you have a peace that is up and down and affected by things, it's because you do not have your mind stayed on the word of God. You do not have the knowledge of God on the inside of you. And so you're up and down like a yo-yo. Again, I'm not saying this to criticize anybody. I'm trying to help us to enlighten us that the Bible gives stability to your life and it gives grace and peace to you. You know, the scripture says, I'm not going to turn over there and read it, but Jesus was talking about the end times. And he said that in the last days, there's going to be perilous times that there's going to be earthquakes are going to be multiplied. Has anybody missed the fact that we are seeing more earthquakes than have ever happened? I've actually seen the statistic. I forget what it is now, but over the last 10 years, earthquakes are increasing at near, they're nearly doubling or tripling every 10 to 20 years or something like that. There's been more recorded earthquakes in the last hundred years than there has been. They project throughout uh, the rest of the uh, time that people have been here on the earth. There are earthquakes coming at the last time. There are uh, all kinds of signs of the end times. One of the signs is that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and all of these things. But the Lord said, when you see these things, lift up your head. That means rejoice. That means look past the thing and look beyond it and rejoice for your redemption draws nigh. There are probably people sitting right in this room who have seen the uh, things that are happening in nature, the things that are happening in politics, the things that are happening among nations, and it causes fear and worry. And you wonder about, man, how are we going to survive? And yet, if you had the knowledge of the word of God, you ought to really be saying, this is awesome. We are living in the last times. We, this could be the generation that sees Jesus come back. And you could be rejoicing, thinking, man, it's not long till we're out of here. And I guarantee you, instead of you having fear and worry and travail, you could be doing exactly what the word of God says and rejoicing. But it's based on your knowledge. If you're getting your knowledge from the evening news, then you're going to be a person that's fearful and having all of these things. But if you are keeping your mind stayed on the word of God, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Amen. This says grace and peace comes through the knowledge of him. It does not come through praying and asking God to give you peace. And oh God, please take away the strife in my life. Get your mind stayed on the word of God and you will have peace. You will have grace and peace. It comes through the knowledge of him. It doesn't say it comes any other way. It comes through the knowledge of him. People are trying to get the results without planting the seed that produces the results, which is the word of God. The word of God is the seed for healing, the seed for prosperity, the seed for grace and peace and everything else. The word even uses that exact example for itself, saying that the word of God is like a seed. Man, this is a seed. Everything that you need, everything that God wants to accomplish in your life, this is a seed. In Psalms 107, verse 20, it says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them of all of their destructions. 
God's word is what heals people. And yet the average person doesn't have a scripture. They aren't meditating on the word. They're just saying, oh God, heal me. And they don't know what the word says. They can't stand on a promise. God sent his word and healed them. It says in Proverbs chapter four, I think it's verse 22. It says that the word of God is health unto all of your flesh and life unto them that find it. If you were meditating in the word of God, it would produce health in your body and it would produce life. Is that verse 22? I was close. Amen. Right on as a matter of fact. And the word of God will bring healing unto you. And yet how many people when they get sick, just start devouring the word of God. You know what they will do? They will go to the doctor and get a pill. But what you should be doing is taking the gospel. Amen. You ought to be taking this. You ought to be meditating in this and it'll bring physical healing to your body. I know that some of you have a disconnect right here and you're thinking, now this, it preaches good, but this is really silly to think that me meditating on the word is going to produce physical healing. That is exactly what I'm saying. And it is exactly what happens. You know, when the Scots gave their testimony, if they hadn't have meditated in the word and got hold of the truth and known that God is a good God, that God isn't the one that caused their daughter to be born with half of a heart and no arteries or few arteries to the lungs and minus rib. If they didn't know those things, they would have had fear instead of faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They heard the word of God and that's where that faith came from. Some of you probably listened to that testimony and thought, boy, I wish God would do that for me. You know, every time somebody gives a testimony of victory like this, somebody who had something negative happen and they didn't get victory, instead of rejoicing with them over the miracle is going to sit there and be offended and say, well, why didn't it work for me? And then they're going to take an offense and they're going to start trying to speak against this and say, well, that doesn't happen for everybody. Well, it's obvious that it doesn't happen for everybody, but it's not because God doesn't will it for everybody. There's reasons why things don't work. It's not because you're a bad person or anything like that, but I guarantee you it is God's will for you to be well. And you got to get fanatical about it and you got to get to where you base your life on the word of God. Grace and peace comes through the knowledge of him. If you don't have peace, you can try and explain it any way you want to, but you don't have the right knowledge. Some of you may know a lot of scripture. Did you know I memorized entire books of the Bible before I began to start having the right knowledge of scripture. And I interpreted the scripture in the light of tradition of men that was taught me. And again, Mark chapter seven, verse 13 says, traditions and doctrines of men make the word of God of none effect. I had a paradigm, a, a view of God that was incorrect based on misinterpretation of scripture. So I knew a lot of scripture, but I saw my dad die when I was 12 years old. I was with three people who died before I was 18 years old. I prayed for every one of them to be healed. They weren't healed. I had no power in my life. I had no victory. I had no peace. And yet I had a lot of scripture, but it was all confused and voided by the traditions and doctrines of men. So you have to have the right truth. You have to interpret the word of God correctly for it to work. But I can promise you that if you don't have peace in your life, you do not know the true word of God, period. 
period. I know some of you right now in your mind are arguing with me and saying, well, that's true for most people, but you don't know my situation. I'm going through a divorce. That's not a reason not to have peace. Well, the doctor told me I was going to die. What does that have to do with it? Some of you are thinking, man, what's wrong with you? I'm saying, what's wrong with you? The Bible says that, man, for me to live is Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, for me to live is Christ and to die is even better. I long so much to go to heaven that I'm struggling. I don't know if it's better for me to stay, but I know it's better for me to stay here. So I'm going to stay here for your benefit. But he was so excited about heaven. If you really understand God and and stuff. Why would we cling to all of this imperfection that we have? That's a person that's being influenced by people that don't know what's on the other side. They don't believe what the word of God says. And this they're short-sighted and they're only going by what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But if you really understand things properly, it'll be like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We sing songs about that. When we all get to heaven, what a day that's going to be. And then the doctor tells you you're going there and you start crying. (laughs) Something's wrong with this picture. I'm telling you, if you had your mind stayed on the Lord, if you were truly trusting in God, and if you were having your thinking uh, governed by the word of God, and if a doctor told you you were going to die, it's all you could do to keep from reaching up and just kissing the guy and saying, awesome. If I go to be with the Lord, that'll be awesome. And if I stay here and get healed, I'll rub the devil's nose in this and I'll give a testimony and glorify God. If I win, I win. If I lose, I win. I can't lose for winning. See, that's a person who has their mind stayed on the Lord. But that's not the way that most people think because again, they aren't dominating themselves by the word of God. If you have the word of God in your life, you have a supernatural peace. Supernatural. Jamie and I had our son die. Our youngest, our oldest son called to tell me that my son was dead. And did you know in the natural, we're no different than anybody else. And we started having, we started having grief and sorrow and anything that anybody else would. There's nothing wrong. That's something would be wrong with you if you were just immune and nothing to happen. I had the same feelings that anybody else would have, but you know what? I knew what the word of God said. And I just started praising God saying, father, whether my son comes back from the dead or not, I want you to know you're a good God. You did not kill my son. I am not mad at you. I am not going to quit serving you. I'm going to serve you with everything I've got. I'll get stronger. And I just started praising God. And I hadn't any sooner done that than God quickened faith in my heart. And I started praising God and our son who had been dead for nearly five hours rose from the dead and to this day is alive and well with no brain damage. Amen. No more than he had before. And I'm telling you, it's, if you know the word of God, the word of God will bring you through any situation. Somebody out there thinking, but you don't understand. I've got a chemical imbalance. (laughs) See here again, you got the wrong knowledge. You've been told that it's not a spiritual thing. It's not you keeping your mind stayed on the Lord, that you've got a chemical imbalance and that you just can't control it. 
or some of you just for two days out of the month, you have an excuse to act like the devil. That's a lie. That's a lie. There isn't anything physical, natural causing all of this stuff. As you think in your heart, that's the way you are. Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, that's the way that you are. Somebody says, well, now, wait a minute. I didn't think cancer. I wasn't thinking about cancer. I wasn't wanting cancer. And yet it came on me. It didn't have anything to do with the way I thought. Yes, it did. Because you were thinking, I'm only human. I'm just a mere mortal. And so you allowed this to come and then you felt like, well, what can I do about it? Instead of understanding that God has given you the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And if you were to exercise your faith, Psalms chapter 91 says, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. That only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked, but you won't experience it. I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, but I'm saying brothers and sisters, we're so passive. Most of us are doing our own thing, going our own way, and we're waiting until we have a train wreck, and then we get serious about seeking the Lord. If you would seek God with your heart and put him first, God will show you things to come. John chapter 16, verse 13. He will show you that man, Satan is coming against you. He will prepare you and build you up so that you can overcome. I'm not saying that we'll never have something negative happen, but I am saying that you should be able to overcome with God's help and his ability. You should be able to overcome this. And we are just thinking sick. You may not be thinking, I want to be sick, but your thinking is sick. We aren't basing it on the word of God. There was a man named John G. Lake, who was very, very uh, strong minister and ministered, I think, up until the 1940s, 30s or 40s or something like that. He was real strong in South Africa, but he had a place in uh, Spokane, Washington and up there and had these healing rooms. And actually, he, there was three hospitals in Spokane and he closed one of them down because there were so many people healed. And anyway, he was so effective that the city of Spokane, Washington gave him a medical license to practice medicine because he was more effective than the doctors. Even though he had no medical training, they gave him a medical license. And there was a plague. People were dying. And John Lake was helping uh, deal with all the people that were dying. And they had people in like a... uh, um, school gymnasium or something where they were trying to treat them and people were just dying right and left. And anyway, he went over and one guy convulsed and foamed at the mouth and died. And one of the doctors that was working with John Lake looked over at him and says, man, aren't you glad that we have a vaccination against this? And John Lake just looked at him and says, who's got a vaccination? And this doctor just panicked like, you can't be working with these people that are dying. You'll get this. You've got to have a vaccination. How could you be doing this? And John Lake said, no germ can touch my body and live. And he was basing it on Psalms chapter 91. No plague comes nigh my dwelling. Did you know that that wasn't only spoken to John Lake? That's for every born again believer in here. Every one of us have this same word spoken over us, but many of you haven't heard it. Many of you who've heard it have had it negated by religious tradition and doctrines of men that tell you that, no, this isn't for everybody, or maybe even God wants you to be sick or something like that. 
But the same word is available, but not everybody believes it. But John Lake believed it. And of course, this doctor just looked at him in total disbelief, like, you you know, that's foolish. You can't prove this. And John Lake said, I'll prove it to you. And he had him take one of those slides that you put under a microscope. And he had that doctor wipe the foam off of the man's mouth who had just died and had it put it under a microscope. And under the microscope, you could just see all these germs moving and all of this movement in that saliva under the microscope. And John Lake said, watch this. And he just touched that slide and instantly everything was totally still. Some of you don't believe that. Well, then guess what? It won't work for you. But the Bible says no plague will come nigh my dwelling. That's not just talking about my house. Right now I'm dwelling here. No plague is going to come nigh me if I will believe it. It's not automatic. It doesn't just work without your faith. You have to believe it. Matter of fact, in Psalms chapter 91, where it promised you that, verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. You have to speak this. You have to speak it. It's voice activated. Faith is released by words. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let this happen. And it happened. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke everything into existence. And this is how faith is released by words. And yet most of us are saying, well, the doctor, somebody says, how are you? Well, the doctor says I'm dying. I've only got six months to live. And you just confess all of this junk out of your mouth. Did you hear the Scots testimony that they said that they weren't going to speak? They referred back to Mark chapter five, where Jesus told that Jairus, don't be afraid, believe only. Don't speak this doubt and unbelief. That's one of the reasons that Aubrey Scott is healed today and nearly four years old is because the parents learned some things from the word of God and didn't speak their doubt. They spoke faith. In Matthew chapter six, now this is taking a little bit of liberty with scripture, but uh, you'll remember this anyway. Amen. But in Matthew chapter six, where it's talking about, consider the lilies of the field. They don't sow, they don't reap. And yet look how God takes care of them. Look at the birds of the air and they don't do all these things. And yet God takes care of them. And it says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we sleep? Where shall we sleep? Or what shall we be clothed with? This is a little bit of license, but it's a great way to remember it is you take a thought by saying it. Take no thought saying it. Thoughts come to all of us. It's like Kenneth Hagin used to say, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Those of you that have hair, (laughs) you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. You don't, You can't keep a thought from coming, but you can sure keep from taking it by not saying it. See, I'm sharing with you scriptural truths and yet most people don't understand this. And so the doctor tells them something. The first thing they do, start going out and saying, I'm dying. I've got this problem. I'm not going to be able to walk. I'm going to have this happen. I'm going to be bedridden. I'm going to have to be on dialysis. I'm going to have this happen. And they don't feel a thing at the moment, but somebody said it. And so they'll repeat it and just say it over and over and over and over. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. 
Your tongue has power in it. And yet most people are just speaking things contrary to what they want. It says in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Most people are saying what they have when the Bible says you can have what you say. There's a huge difference there. And so people don't understand this. They don't know what the word says. And so they just go to speaking out. Oh, I hurt here. I've got this wrong. The doctor says this. The lawyer says this. The banker said this. There were many of you that when they started talking about a recession, started planning for a recession. You made provision for it. We just decided not to participate. And the Lord had spoken some things to me about increase and reaching more people. And I tell you what, when times are hard, this isn't the time that ministers should cut back. Man, this is when people are all of a sudden realizing that their efforts aren't working. They get receptive knowing that, man, maybe there's something that we haven't tried. And this is when the church ought to be expanding, not contracting. But we have access to, I don't know, dozens of ministries in Colorado Springs. And did you know every ministry that we were aware of before their finances went down, before anything happened, they started, to, started planning for 15, 20, 25% reduction in income. And guess what? Every one of them got what they believed. But you know what we did? We increased like it was 20 something percent, 25, 29% the first year of the quote unquote recession. And we have set banner records. We are increasing and setting records on the income and everything. And we're going up while other people are going down. Jamie and I, she got an inheritance from her father when he died. And we took that money and invested it in the stock market. And did you know that when the stock market went down 51%, we made 61% profit in the first four months of 2009. Somebody said, you can't do that. Well, don't wake me up because this is the way we're living. (laughs) See, again, the Bible says in Philippians 419, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We aren't bound by this earth economy. You don't have to go by the United States economy or the world economy. You can go by his riches in Christ Jesus in glory. And yet how many Christians stood and started planning for negative, started worrying about layoffs, started talking about it, started making plans for all of this. And guess what? Your faith works just fine. You got exactly what you were believing for. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. The word of God is the key that unlocks everything that you need from from God. And yet we've substituted prayer. There are people that are praying and begging God for things that he's already given us. There's people asking God to do what he's already done and he told you to go do it. He told you to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And yet people are, oh God, please get the devil off my case. Oh God, please heal me when he says he's already healed you. 
and he's already put this power on the inside of you. Now you take your authority and you speak to the mountain. And people see aren't following the word. They say, oh God, please move this mountain out of my life. He didn't tell you to talk to him about the mountain. He told you to speak to the mountain. That implies that you understand that God has done his part and placed his power on the inside of you. Now you take it and you speak to your problem. Don't talk to God about your problem. Talk to your problem about God. Tell your problem that I'm redeemed from you. I'm not having this. And then James 4, 7, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. Being passive and saying, I can do nothing. The doctor says it's incurable. I, 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 would you please pray for me? I have people come like that all of the time and they make it just as pitiful as they possibly can to let me know how desperate their situation is and they want me to agree with them. I'm not going to agree with you because you don't believe you have any power. You don't believe you have any control over this thing. And if I agree with you, then nobody's going to be believing God. When you come and say, but I just, there's nothing I can do. I'm dying. Would you please pray for me? Best thing I can do is shake you and say, that is a lie. You don't have to have that. I had a man come up to me at church on Sunday and I, he's what? 80 something years old. Leo, I forget how old he is, but he's 80 something, 88. And I said, Leo, how are you? And he says, oh, the doctor told me I, I, he had something. I forgot what it was, but he says, I've only got six months to live. And he just looked, and I said, why would you take what that doctor has to say about you? And he just looked at me and I said, hey, the Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Who cares what the doctor has to say? Why don't you resist what the doctor has to say and go by what God's word has to say that I will live and declare I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Psalms 118. Why don't you start taking what God's word said? And in just a few moments, he got juiced up. He got fired up. And he says, you know, you're right. I don't have to be sick. I don't have to go out sick. And he started believing God. And I laid hands on him, prayed over his heart. And I'm expecting to get a good report from him. But most people, but the doctor said, well, what did God say? Well, who cares what God said? The doctor said. Most people put more faith in the doctor and what he has to say than in what the Bible has to say. Am I against doctors? No, no. I've got friends that are doctors and surgeons. If it hadn't have been for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead. They certainly hadn't been believing God. But I'm just saying you ought to get to where you could believe God and leave the doctors for the people that don't know God. I had to go get a physical for this insurance thing. They wanted us to, we had to have insurance on this building that we bought. And so anyway, I went to get this test and it's, it's a real long story. I won't go into the whole thing, but they wanted to shave the hair on my chest. And I told them, I said, this is virgin hair. It has never been touched. So anyway, instead of shaving my hair, they just stuck these things on my chest. There were six of them. And about 11 or 12 minutes into this test, I got to sweating and these things started falling off. So I was holding two of them. The doctor was holding two of them and the nurse was holding two of them. And here I was jogging. And anyway, 
um, at the end of this thing, he was looking at this paper and, and you know how doctors are. And he looked at it and he started grunting and making these noises like, hmm, uh. And then he took a piece of paper and he started writing down this address and stuff. And he says, this is a friend of mine. You need to go get another test. We may put you in the hospital today and we could do open heart surgery on you before the day is over. He says, don't you go back to the office. Don't you go anywhere. Don't do anything. You go right over here, straight from here. This is serious. How do you respond to something like that? Let me just ask you, what would happen if somebody did that to you? You know what I did? I looked at that guy and I said, that's a lie. I don't believe this. (laughs) And you know what? Most doctors aren't used to people telling them that what they did was a lie. And this guy just really got offended and says, what are you saying? I said, you look at that piece of paper and tell me that that says I got a serious heart problem. And he said, well, you know, those things did move around while you were taking this test. And And you're just a tiny bit off. And he says, you could have a perfectly normal heart. And uh, I'm just not sure. I think you ought to go get another test. I said, that's not what you told me. You told me I had a serious heart problem and that you might do open heart surgery on me. I said, you lied to me. And I got in this guy's face and he just tore up the piece of paper and he says, leave. Amen. had to go get another test. And I got one of these nuclear things where they shoot you with dye and do a test. And the guy who did that test said, oh, those treadmill tests are 50% wrong. They're wrong as often as they're right. He says, you can't trust one of those. This thing is 99.9% right. And they said, my heart was like a 17 year old. There wasn't any problem. But you know what? There's a lot of people that if somebody would have spoken something negative over you, you'd have caved. This is Al and Angie Burke. They're from Florida. Stand up, Al and Angie. Let everybody see you. And they're friends of ours. And back in December, Al fell off a little ladder, only three foot up, but he fractured his hip, had all kinds of problems, went into the hospital. The doctor said that, man, it was going to require surgery. It could be what? Months and months and months. And they just spoke all kinds of things. Al and Angie countered them just the way I'm talking about. They knew what the word said. That doctor got so mad and said, if you walk out of this hospital, I'll be a believer. And they said, you're on, amen. <laughs> we'll take you up on that. And anyway, I forgot it was only like five. They came out of the hospital in how long? Ten days out of the hospital and in five weeks he was walking and the doctor told him, says, you don't need surgery and he was walking and now that was in December. And here it is, what, five months later. And you can hardly tell there's anything that had happened. But one of the reasons is because they didn't just take the first report. They stood on what the word of God said. And I know some of you think that I'm weird for believing like this, but I think you're weird. I think that you aren't taking advantage of what the word says. The word says that you have all of this power on the inside of you. And yet most Christians feel somehow or another obligated to let nature and natural take its course and only call on God if it's something that man can't handle. That's not the way to do it. That's not what the word of God teaches. God wants you to be absolutely well, prosperous, have joy and peace. And I still hadn't got to the verse I was headed towards. In verse three, it goes on to say, according as his divine power hath given unto us 
all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Did you know in the Greek, this word that was translated all things here in the King James, it means all things. (laughs) It means everything. What is it that you need? And do you need joy and peace? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Is there something you need to keep living? Do you need money? Do you need healing? Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need direction? Do you need anointing? Do you need wisdom? Anything that you need, all things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge. Basically, the church has reinterpreted all of this. And no, it comes through being holy. No, it comes through prayer. No, it comes through intercession. It comes through spiritual warfare. It comes through anything else. But the scripture says that all things that pertain unto life and godliness comes through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And then look at verse four, whereby talking about this knowledge gave us the exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The knowledge of God gave us the word of God. The word of God is the knowledge of God that produces all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Anything that you need is in the word of God. Anything that you need, all of the wisdom that you need. You know, I'm just amazed. We have a Bible college students. Now we have about 450, I think it is. It's in Colorado Springs at our main campus, about 2000 something in all of our Bible colleges and correspondence together. And I'm amazed at the people that I deal with and their lack of people skills. One of the things that I teach in the third year is just how to get along with people. That's one of my teachings that I teach. How do you get along with people? And I am just shocked at the people that don't have a first clue about how to get along with people. And the Bible will teach you how to get along with people. The Bible says that to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. And yet I can guarantee there's people that come all the time, well, nobody likes me. And I think, well, why should they? (laughs) You are offensive. Everything you do is wrong. (laughs) You're all stickers and prickly things and Nobody can get close to you without you saying something and doing something and they just can't understand. It's because they don't know the word of God. It's just amazing, brother. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I am trying to shake us and wake us up and let you know that the reason you are struggling in any area of your life, if you've got a problem, you've got a knowledge problem because everything that you need comes through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. And again, I know I'm fighting against all kinds of things. There are people saying, no, you don't understand. It's the color of my skin that's the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is the knowledge. You've got a, you got a wrong thinking that is keeping you in bondage. Somebody says, but you don't understand. I was abused when I was a child. That's not your problem. I'm not saying that that wasn't a problem, but you know, If after 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you should get over it. 
The problem is you've been nurturing that hurt and pain and you've been magnifying it and you've been limping through life when the truth is that God can heal you of anything. Where you came from isn't near as important as where you're going. And the only reason what has happened to you is still dominating you is because you have focused on it and you've been nurturing that thing and increasing it instead of turning to God and letting God heal you of it and taking advantage of what God has done. I don't care what anybody has said to you and what has happened. What God has done for you is infinitely greater, infinitely greater. I was talking to one of our Bible college students this week that had some very negative, bad things happen to them. And you know what? Most people would just sit there. And here's the way most Christians would approach it from just a humanistic standpoint. So oh, that's really bad. That is really bad. I mean, you really had a tough time and you just put your arm around them and, and say, oh, that's really bad. And just cry with them and say, you know, if I wasn't, you know, prophesy to them and say, if I wasn't God, I'd be discouraged too. That's the way that most people respond to something like that. And the way I responded was to tell them, look, I know that what you've had is bad, but don't focus on what somebody has done to you. I don't care how bad they've been. God's love for you is infinitely greater. It's a million times, 10 million times greater than what this person has done against you. Focus on how much God loves you. And you can get so in the love of God, it's like trying to take a drink from Niagara Falls. It just overwhelms you and it will literally overcome any hurt and any rejection of what other people have said about you. I know some of you think, well, you just don't have my problems. Well, you don't have my problems. You don't have hundreds of blogs written against you that you are of the devil and that you're the most dangerous man in America and all of this stuff. Most of you, I've got plenty of problems. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but I've had plenty of things. I could be as discouraged as any person in here, but you know what? I, the word of God has changed the way I process information. I look at things differently. There is nothing. Those people that know me the best, you can ask my staff, my staff, People ask about how do you keep from having a big head? I got this staff down here, amen. (laughs) There's no way they'd ever let you have the big head. I mean, there is nothing special about Jamie and me. The only thing that is working in our life is the word of God has given us an insight. It has built our faith up. We are seeing things happen. And there isn't a person in this room that couldn't experience the measure of victory that we have and even much, much more. But there isn't a person in this room that couldn't be at least walking where Jamie and I are if you would take the word of God and believe it. I was an introvert, couldn't look at a person in the face and now I'm preaching to millions and millions of people and speaking in front of large crowds. This is something that I could not do in the natural and yet you know what? The word of God changed me. I could preach on that. I got two or three teachings on how to overcome that kind of stuff. It's not your personality type. It's selfish. You're self-centered. You're a totally selfish, self-centered person if you're shy. (laughs) That usually goes over about like that. And some of you are thinking, that's not true. You ought to get my teaching entitled self-centeredness, the root of all grief. And it'll explain that to you. The word of God has an antidote to that. The word of God will tell you anything. 
I knew a man one time that set up a tent and had a tent revival and it blew down. And the next year he went and set the tent back up. And he says, I've always preached that the word of God has an answer for everything. And he says, when my tent blew down, I asked God to speak to me and tell me what I did wrong. And God referred him to Isaiah chapter 54, where it says, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. <laughs> and he did it. And you know what? We had a storm come and it lasted. The word of God will teach you anything. Amen. <laughs> This knowledge of God is what gave us these exceeding great and precious promises that by these, talking about by the word of God, you might be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Boy, what a mouthful that is. Man, if we could just tap into this. You partake of the divine nature. Wow. And escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust here doesn't only mean sexual desires, illicit sexual desires. The word lust just means a strong, overpowering emotion. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, 16, it says, the spirit lusts against the flesh. That's not talking about a sexual desire. It's just talking about it's an overpowering emotion. And this is saying that you escape the corruption that is in the world through these emotions, through these wrong desires. You can change your desires. Brothers and sisters, the word of God gives you whatever you need to succeed. The word of God teaches you how to prosper in business. You know, I've got a friend of mine, Paul Milligan. He's ministered here in Atlanta quite a bit. Some of you might know him, but Paul Milligan was actually uh, in the Baptist church and heard me on the radio and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his own uh, living room. And he was working for another person. It's a long story, but he took the word of God and began to start prospering. He first of all prospered working for another person who stole all of his ideas and gave them to the management saying, look what I came up with. And you know what? Most human nature would say to gripe, complain, go tell somebody about this, do something in the flesh to promote yourself. Paul decided that if that's the way that guy was going to do, he was going to serve him as if it was serving God. And he came up with all these great ideas that doubled, tripled productivity. And the other guy took credit for everything. And Paul just served him. You know what? The word of God caused him to do that. That is not the way most people would do it. And yet he served that man as if he was an honorable man and he wasn't honorable. But you know what happened? Within just a year or two, the boss over him came to Paul and says, I know that this guy is not smart enough to do this. And I've been researching it. And I found out that you're actually the one that's coming up with these things. And he promoted him to men over the company. And he just leapfrogged above everybody else and got into this position. And then he quit and started his own business. Now he's got 12 businesses with over 1,200 employees, a multimillionaire. And he's starting a business school in our Bible college. And he's going to start teaching business. It's going to be one of the best business schools in the United States being taught in our Bible college. And it's awesome. And he got it from the word of God. 
The Word of God will teach you how to manage your finances. The Word of God will teach you how to get along with people. It'll teach you how to be well. It'll teach you how to have a good marriage. Brothers and sisters, there isn't a problem in this room that couldn't be solved if we took the revelation of God's Word and used it. But it takes some effort. And you know what? There's a lot of people that they don't want this. They want to come to a meeting like this. And again, I am not against you. I'm glad you're here, but I love you so much. I'm going to tell you the truth. And there's many people that come to a meeting like this and want me to wave my hand over you so that you can just get totally healed, delivered, set free, prosperous, have joy and peace over your depression and go back to watching as the stomach turns on the television and being a couch potato and do nothing. You just want to come and after all, I'm the professional. You're paying me. It's up to me to get you well. That's wrong. You need to start taking some responsibility. I'm telling you that the key to spiritual maturity and everything that comes with it is the word of God. When I first got turned on to the Lord, I hadn't got time to go into that, but I had this miraculous encounter with the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968. I was 18 years old and I fell in love with God big time. But after a few months, the emotion of it wore off. The effect didn't, but the emotion did And I didn't know, come here from Sikkim about the word of God. And uh, for for those of you who don't understand that, (laughs) come here means come here and Sikkim is the other. Those are opposites. If you don't know, come here from Sikkim, you just don't know very much. (laughs) I didn't know, come here from Sikkim about the word of God. And I was praying around my bed And I had been reading the Bible and I was kneeling around my bed and I was just saying, God, I see that there is a victorious life, a life that has power in it and that I could be more than what I am right now. I can see that it's over there, but it's so far from here. I said, how do I get from here to there? And I just was overwhelmed with the impossibility. This was absolutely impossible for me. And again, I could spend hours telling you how messed up I was, how introverted I was, and all of the problems that I had. And I said, God, it's impossible for me to get from here to there. How do I get there? And I opened my eyes and my Bible was laying on my bed and the Lord spoke to me and he says, if you will stick your nose in this book and study it, it'll teach you everything you know, need to know. And that became, that's still my direction. I mean, for 43 years, I have been meditating in the word as much as I can. I'm getting as much revelation, new revelation from the word of God today as I have ever had in my life. If some of you think, well, I've read the Bible and it didn't do that much for me. You didn't get it. I've been reading this day and night for 43 years and it's like it's a brand new book. I was at a minister's conference last week and heard a friend of mine, Bob Yandian, say just some real quick things out of verses that I've read a million times. And I thought, how did I miss this? (laughs) The word of God is so deep. You can't ever plumb the depths of it. If you think I've heard this before, then you don't know the word of God. Man, this is like a mind that's full of everything. Matter of fact, you know, we were singing this song tonight about I, I'll never know how much it cost. 
And I was thinking about that. And you know, in the natural realm here on this earth, it's true that we will never know. But the scripture says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that when that which is perfect is come, then we will know all things, even as also we are known. We will know someday exactly what it costs, not on this side, but on the other side. And in 1 John chapter three, verse two, it says that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When you see him as he is and you get your mind renewed, then instantly you will be like him, spirit, soul, and body. It all comes to how much you are seeing and perceiving God. And to the degree that we get into this word, which is what gives us revelation of who he is. Did you know what? You will be like him. You will be able to see miraculous things happen. You will be able to walk on top of whatever your problem is. You will be able to stand against persecution and rejection and whether somebody dislikes you or not. Man, Jesus was treated terrible. None of us could even imagine what he went through. And yet it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. The reason Jesus was able to take people mocking him and spitting in his face and stripping him naked and ridiculing him, plucking the hair off of his face, putting a crown of thorns on him, beating persecuting. The reason he was able to endure that is because he had the joy set before him. You know what that was? He knew that you and me someday would have our life changed if he would just hold steady and do what God told him to do. And he saw you and me and millions of other people who would be totally transformed. And because of that, he was able to endure everything. Most of us don't have our goal on other people and what we can do. We are all wrapped up in ourself and we make a very small package. We just think about, look what they're doing to me. If Jesus would have only thought about himself, he'd have come down off the cross. He would have ended this thing because he didn't have to die for himself. He died for us. The reason you get so hurt When people speak about you and criticize you and reject you is because it's all about you. But when you get to realizing that, you know what, there's other people out here. There's, there's reasons why I need to keep doing what I'm doing. And you get something that's bigger than yourself. You'll be able to endure hardship. That's what that scripture is saying. You know, I was talking to Al and Angie at breakfast this morning and uh, we were talking about, they come down here and help us pray with people. And we were talking about how that we don't see every single person healed. And I said, you know, that really bothers me because I want to see it. And Jesus didn't see every person healed every time, but he, there was many times he saw every single person healed. And I said, I long to see every person healed. And we were talking about this very thing that most people just don't have the word. They don't know how to stand. They don't know how to resist. So we were talking about that. But anyway, I told them, I said that, you know, because it, it, I'm disappointed that not every single person that comes into one of my meetings leaves just totally transformed. But what do I do? Do I quit praying for people because not every person's healed? Do I quit preaching the truth because not every person receives it? Some, there will be people, there's already been people get up and leave. I don't know if they had to go to the bathroom or what. 
but there's always people that get offended. I've had, I've had entire rows get up and leave at one time. So I don't think all of them are going to the bathroom. So what do I do? Do I, do I quit preaching the truth because not everybody likes it? If I do, then you know what? People like little Aubrey Scott would have been dead because we weren't sharing the truth. And the people who are receiving and who are getting healed wouldn't receive because I'd be worried about somebody else. And you know, this is one of the things I think that this is what Jesus was doing, that even though he was being persecuted, even though there was people rejecting him, there was something bigger than him and he was God. And yet he counted you and me more important than himself. And he was able to deny himself because he valued us. And brothers and sisters, the reason we get so hurt is because we value ourselves way, 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 way too much. It is way too important about yourself. You need to have something bigger than you. You ought to love God more than you love yourself. You ought to love what God is trying to accomplish through you more than you love yourself. And there's some things worth dying for. There's some things worth being persecuted for. There's some things that are more important than whether everybody likes you at work. There's some things more important about whether you are the favorite son in the family. And you just need to get to where you, you start living for other people and things. And you know what? If you take that attitude, it'll get to where it just shrinks all of the criticism down to where, who cares? Amen. God Almighty loves me. I don't like it if people don't like me. I hope that everybody here is receiving big time. But you know what? If you don't like me and if you come up and tell me what a terrible minister I am, I'm not going to be blessed by it. I won't like it. I'm not going to just sit there and have goosebumps go up and down my spine because you hate me. But you know what? You will not keep me up tonight because God loves me. say this in love, but compared to God, you're nobody. And if what somebody is saying about you or is done to you is hurting you and because of it, you can't sleep and you can't go on. It's because you place too much value on their opinion. You ought to put more value on what God has to say about you. The only people that will ever let you down are the ones that you lean on. Just start leaning on the everlasting arms and you will never be let down. You'll never be disappointed. Amen or oh me. Praise God. So anyway, that's my introduction to this series about the key to spiritual maturity. And I'm going to be sharing things with you about the word of God. The word of God reveals to us the importance of the word and tells us how it works and how you get it to work. And I'm going to be talking about things that if you could receive this, it would transform your life. And I know that people are busy and I appreciate you coming out on a Thursday night. And I know people have other things to do, but this is going to be a keeper. This is going to be something that could change your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. And it would be worth the effort if you had to make an effort to come back and be with us. If nothing else, again, in that packet that we gave out, you can fill out a form and you can get the CDs or DVDs of these meetings. And you need to get this. And this is the kind of thing that you could listen to every week for the rest of your life. 
and help keep you on track and keep you motivated and keep you focused on what is really important. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I guarantee you taking the word of God, the most important thing you will ever do in your life is to take the word of God and hide it in your heart so that you will not sin against him. It's the most important thing. It's more important than anything else. It's more important than anything else you've got to do. Amen. So if you can come back and be with us, it'll be a blessing. Let me ask if there's anybody here tonight who doesn't know Jesus personally, even though I've emphasized the word of God, the word of God says you must be born again. It says in Acts 4, 12, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby you must be saved. You must be saved. It is not an option. You need a personal relationship with Jesus. And we have multitudes of people in our religious church today that are confused thinking that they're saved because they're a good person, because they go to church sometimes, because they've given in the offering, because they believe that Jesus is the son of God. The Bible says you believe that there's one God, James chapter two, verse 19. You believe, you believe that there's one God, you do well. The devil also believes and trembles. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Just believing that there's one God and that Jesus is the son of God will not get you saved. It says in Romans 10, nine, that if you shall confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You have to make Jesus your Lord. You don't have to just believe that he exists. You've got to bow the knee and give him lordship over your life. That's not a promise that you'll be perfect because you can't keep that, but it is a commitment that I want you to rule and reign. I want to give you absolute control in my life. You have to trust him and not your church attendance or something else. If you've never done that, you need to be born again. And then once you get born again, the scripture says that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He even told his disciples, don't go anywhere. Don't tell anybody that I've been raised from the dead until you receive power from on high. One of the reasons that our religion is so dead today is because we've got people who are born again, but they aren't empowered by the Holy Spirit and they're just preaching dead facts. It's not life giving. The Holy Spirit isn't in it. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that includes a lot of things but it includes speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a part of it. On the day of Pentecost, they spoke with other tongues. Every time in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit came upon a person, they spoke in tongues. And I know that there's people that came to this meeting and you didn't know you were coming to a tongue talking meeting (laughs) because I just sit there and I don't scream and spit and say glory to God. uh, And I don't wipe my fevered brow. And you just, you thought I I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I do. I speak in tongues. I spoke in tongues on the way into this meeting tonight. I speak in tongues all of the time. And I can tell you, it is impossible for you to truly get a revelation of the word of God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, including speaking in tongues. You can get some fruit, but I tell you, when I, I had been raised in church, 
I knew lots of scriptures, but when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the number one thing, I did speak in tongues, but the number one thing that happened was the word of God became alive. It's like I couldn't open the Bible without God just screaming at me. It was awesome. And I tell you, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need it. Amen. I know that you have probably more questions and I've got more answers, but I hadn't got time. But if you need to be born again and or baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive this gift of speaking in tongues, I'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody here that raise your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray with me and help me to receive? If that's you, I want you to be bold and raise your hand. We got hands all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I know we're in the Bible belt, in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. (laughs) And I know that there's more of you who have been born again, but you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may have questions and say, but I'm not sure about this. Well, I am. There are some of you that have heard me give testimonies about God raising my son from the dead and other miracles happening. And that's the reason you came because you want some of the things that you've heard me testify about. But I'm telling you the root that produced the fruit. And many of you are going to let your traditions and doctrines of man keep you from receiving this. I'm telling you that that's wrong. If you like the things that I've testified about what God's done in my life, I'm telling you what produced it. I am saying absolutely that if I did not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, I would not have experienced what I've experienced. And you aren't going to experience it either unless you receive this power of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. Somebody says, well, I think I've got the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. I believe you can have the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. I had it for three years before I spoke in tongues. But you know what? It's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get them, they all come with tongues. If you receive the baptism, you have this ability to speak in tongues. And you, when I started speaking in tongues, it's like I got baptized in the Holy Ghost all over again. I tell you, it is powerful. And you, it's like having a pair of pants with only one leg in them. I guess you could get them that way, but what's the point? Amen. God wants you to speak in tongues. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and we want to pray with you and help you to receive here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Let's praise God for all of these. Praise the Lord. try and stand side by side. We got a big wide auditorium. And the reason I'm asking this is because I'm going to have our prayer ministers come lay hands on you. And if you're all standing behind each other, it's hard to get. So if you just get side by side, stretched out in a line, we'll be able to have people come up here and lay hands on you and pray with you. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I know that there's other people out there that don't speak in tongues and you didn't come forward. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to beg you. But I am going to encourage you that you're missing something big. And I know some of you are afraid and say, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to have people come up and lay hands on you. Nobody's going to do anything bad. And I'm going to give everybody a free book. What a deal. You got nothing to lose. You got everything to gain. And somebody said, well, what happens if nothing happens? Well, I can guarantee you this. If you don't come forward, nothing's going to happen. The worst thing that could happen is you come down here and get a free book. (laughs) You got nothing to lose, everything to gain. We aren't the kind that slap you on the back and command you to do something and I was in one church service where one person was telling me, hold on. The other one was saying, let go. And I didn't know what to do. Amen. We're just going to lead you in a prayer and pray for you. There's nothing to lose. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be up here. Somebody says, well, I'm not sure. I might get something from the devil. The Bible says in Luke 11:13, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If you have a pure heart and are saying, God, I just want what you have for me, God is not going to let the devil give you something of the devil. Some people are taught that that speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, then let me ask you this. Why don't all of the bars, why aren't all the people in there speaking in tongues? Why aren't all of the prostitutes speaking in tongues? Why don't all of the drug dealers speak in tongues? It's that statement that's of the devil, not tongues. You are not going to get something bad. Amen. Some of you think, man, you're just thinking right along. I was a Baptist. I know all of this stuff. I've been told all of these things. Amen. But I tell you what, baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. You need it. All right, before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you first of all have to be born again. It says Jesus is the one who gives this gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody here who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you're born again? Here's one right here. Anybody else? Maybe you're a moral person, a religious person, but do you know for sure if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or do you just hope you would? Is there anybody else? If that's you, I need you to raise your hand. I need to pray with you first. Here's another one right here. Here's another, here's a couple of more. Anybody else? Here's another one down here. Anybody else? You need to be sure. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Here's a couple more down here. You know, if you were to stand before God right now, and if he says, what makes you worthy to enter into heaven? What would you answer? If you answer anything other than it's my faith in Jesus, Jesus is my only claim. Then you would go to hell. If you point to your goodness, you aren't good enough. You have to have a savior. You need to make Jesus your savior. Is there anybody else who wants to pray? You need to be sure. Here's another one. We've still got people raising their hand. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. Everybody else, sure. 
Here's another one down here. All right, I don't know how many of this is. It's probably over a dozen people. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer that will say what you need to say. This isn't magic. It's not like if you just say these words that you're born again. The Bible says you have to confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart. So it's only, you've got to believe this, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer that if you really believe it, then you are going to be changed. Your sins will be totally wiped away. You'll become a brand new person on the inside and you're going to just be transformed. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer first. I'd like everybody in here to say this with me so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. But as you repeat this prayer, you believe it in your heart. If you believe this in your heart, you're going to be born again. Isn't that awesome? Jesus has already dealt with your sins and died all. It's it's just up to you to receive. It's not a matter of will he do it. He's already done it. Will you receive it? Say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Welcome to the family. Praise the Lord. You believe that, brother? Awesome. Welcome to the family. God bless y'all. You know, if you truly believe that, then you're changed on the inside. This is still a woman. Here's a man down here that got born again. They're still male and female. But you know what? On the inside, you're completely brand new. You'll spend the rest of your life figuring out what's happened to you. But you are completely new on the inside. I've got a book I'm going to give you that will explain this to every person who prays. Now, according to the Word of God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every person who's prayed that prayer and believed it is now born again. And God created you as a temple for His Holy Spirit. The reason that's important is because this is what He created you for. He would never forget fail to give anybody the Holy Spirit. This is what you were made for. Some people teach that you have to be clean and you have to get rid of all sin and you can't have any problems in your life before you get the Holy Spirit. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you got problems, you're a prime candidate. Man, God created you to fill with his Holy Spirit. So don't let any sense of unworthiness stop you. God has been looking for this day for a long, long time. He is wanting to flood you with this power. You just open up that door to the temple a little bit and the power of God's going to come flowing into your life. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to open up the door of our temple and welcome God to come on the inside. It's that simple. And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and lay hands on you because the Bible said that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. You can actually release this power into people. So I'm going to lead you into a prayer. Then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit. And then after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe. And I want you to start thanking God that he did what he said he would do. 
whether you feel anything or not. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel a thing, but I guarantee you, I got changed. And so we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on, and I want you to start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands like this and start thanking God. Because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, this blesses God. God's blessed by this. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. Amen. It's your way of yielding. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on, then we're going to start thanking God. And then all of us in here that already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we're going to start speaking in tongues because the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you are giving thanks well. You're praising God in a heavenly language. So we're going to start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit. And I want you to quit thanking him in English and start thanking him in tongues. Just switch over to speaking in tongues. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What, what do you do? I've got a book that will explain it. I'm not going to go into a great amount of detail, but if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. The number one thing that I've found that hinders people from speaking in tongues is they wait on the Holy Spirit to force them to speak in tongues. They just think it's going to just, he's going to make you speak in tongues and it's going to be this real emotional thing. Speaking in tongues is just like when I spoke tonight. I believe that God inspired it, but he didn't force me to say it. I had to speak it. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out with my sense of humor. It was me talking, but I believe it was inspired by God. The Bible says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It's the same as when he spoke through me tonight. You have to speak. You have to start talking, not in English or a known language, but you have to make sounds that, that you don't know. And as you quit worrying about what it sounds like and quit thinking about it and just put your mind on the Lord, you'll find it just starts flowing out of you and God will inspire it. But you can start it, you can stop it. So you've got to open your mouth and start talking. If you will do that, we're going to pray and I believe you're going to start speaking in tongues. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready? That was a question. Yes Yes or no? Father, we thank you for all of these. Thank you that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we were made for you to fill with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you long for this, that we don't have to beg you. So we just open up our hearts right now and say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come in. We want you to come in. We want your power in our life. Holy Spirit, we give you right, privilege. We welcome you to come in and take over our life right now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We loose this power in your body right now. And Father, we thank you that your power is flowing through every one of these right now. In Jesus' name. Now, let's put those hands up and I want you to start thanking God out loud that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for filling me with your power. We receive the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in our bodies right now in Jesus' name. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now. Let's worship the Lord. And as we speak in tongues, you just speak with us. You can't talk in tongues and English at the same time. You can't speak in tongues 
with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. Just be bold. Talk right now. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but you can't do it. You can't speak in somebody else's tongue. It'll come out different. But once you start making sounds, just don't quit. Keep talking. And it'll be the Holy Spirit flowing through you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God right now. Thank Him for giving you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know some of you are speaking in tongues, but it's important for you to understand what happened. I can promise you that there's not a person up here that fully understands or appreciates what's happened to you. This is powerful. This will be the second most important thing that has ever happened. This is really powerful, but you've got to understand it. Some of you may not have spoken in tongues. Nearly every person I was looking at, and it seemed to me like we're speaking in tongues. But if you didn't speak in tongues, that didn't mean that you didn't get it. God said, if you ask, you get it. I'm not speaking in tongues right now. Does that mean I don't have it? No, I have the Holy Spirit, but it's up to me. And some of you just don't understand. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues. It took me three and a half years to speak in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. And I was taught that it was of the devil, and it took me a long time to get over my fear of it and begin to start doing things. But I've written all of this in a book. And I want to give every one of you a free copy of this book. And I promise you, if you will read the book, I've had thousands come down and speak in tongues right here. But I've also had thousands that didn't speak in tongues immediately, but they read the book, got their fears taken care of, got faith through the word and then spoke in tongues. And I promise you that God gave every one of you this gift of speaking in tongues. It's just a matter of you flowing in it and and getting some understanding. So if you would, this is Ashley over here. He's the young man with his Bible up. And he's going to take you right over there and give you a free book and minister to you. There will be people there that will pray with you, help you any way they can. And if you would, just please go over here for just a few moments and let someone... Uh, give you this book and help you to receive. Praise God. Let's praise God for all of these. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hey, brother, I believe God just really has done something special in your life tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that great? I don't know how many we had, but we probably had close to 100 or more. There was only 120 on the day of Pentecost that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And look what happened with them. 
Man, the world has never been the same, and I can guarantee you it's the same right here. We're going to see some miraculous results come out of this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, all of these people down front are people who are our prayer ministers. Many of them are Bible college graduates and uh, they're friends. Many of them are pastors and just all kinds of different things. But every one of them has been through a teaching that we have about how to take your authority and minister. And I want to encourage you that there's many people that come and they're always looking for me to pray. I don't mind praying for people, but I can't meet every single need. It just physically is impossible. And I'm encouraging you to come and let one of these people pray for you. They are chomping at the bits to pray for you. Amen. This is Al and Angie that I was talking about. They've seen the miraculous power. This is Randy. He's been coming to our meetings for a long time. Javan and his wife, Dora, are full of the Holy Ghost. Robert, these are awesome people. And you need to come and just look to God to flow through them. So if you would like prayer for anything, I'd like to invite you to come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you. We can pray for every person in here in a very short period of time if we'll do it this way. We've got people standing at the aisles that are going to direct you towards one of our prayer ministers so that everybody just won't stand over on one side. And if you want prayer, come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you. The rest of you... Let me just say that I will be praying as these are praying for people. I will be praying and often I call out gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles. We see a lot of people healed out there. You're welcome to stay and pray and receive. If you need to go, you're free to go. Remember that we have CDs and DVDs of tonight's service already duplicated and you can get them out there. We've got services on Friday and Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And then Friday night, 7 o'clock, Saturday night, 6 o'clock. And be sure and come back if you can. Praise God. You're free to go if you need to. If you want to stay and pray with us, we'd be glad to have you stay here. And we're going to see God do great miracles and heal people here tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you and we agree and receive your miraculous power flowing through every one of these right now. We believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we've already been healed and that you've put this power on the inside of us. You said believers would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. We're believers and we're laying hands on them and we believe that your supernatural power is flowing through every one of these right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you that the cripple are being healed right now. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, cancers are gone, hearts are healed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord just spoke to me. Somebody here has got a pain down here in the low part of your back way down low in your back. And the Lord is healing this right now. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who this is. And I believe God's going to heal you right now. Here's a woman over here. Anybody else? Here's one. Anybody else? Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's one over here. If this is you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. 
Right now, I want you to believe for a miracle. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that all of these that are standing with their hands raised, I just release this supernatural power of God and I command that pain to leave the backs right now in Jesus' name. Pain, you be gone off of them now in Jesus' name. And whatever causes this pain, any damage done under their back, any muscles that have been pulled, any sickness or disease, any surgeries. Father, I believe that your anointing is healing the root of this pain, that the pain is gone and it will not come back. Thank you that freedom of movement comes right now in Jesus' name. Well, that's the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you're healed right now. Begin to bend and do what you didn't feel like doing. Move around. I believe here's your healing power coming. Amen. You feeling good? Amen. Awesome. Move and do what you didn't feel like doing. There's a healing power of God. How do you feel? You still have any pain? All right. How many of you that stood and got prayer have already had the pain leave? I want you to wave your arm at me. Here's one over here. Here's two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else? Seven. I don't know how many there were, but anyway, there's been a good seven or eight that have already seen the pain leave. And I believe that every one of you is healed. You just need to take your authority. Sometimes it takes a brief period of time for what the Lord has done to manifest, but I believe that you're healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this. Thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has been having a problem with your breathing. You can't take deep breaths. I don't know what this is, but here's a healing right here. Is this you? If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand if you can't take a deep breath. Stand so I can tell who this is. Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. There's four, five. Anybody else over here that's having problems drawing a deep breath? Father, I thank you for these. And right now, we just release this anointing. And whatever this is that is restricting their breathing, I command that to be gone. Father, I loose them in Jesus' name. Thank you that they can breathe deeply. Somebody had pain anytime you tried to deep breathe deeply. That's gone right here. Take a deep breath. Here's your ability to draw a deep breath with no pain. The root of that problem is gone. You're healed of it in Jesus' name. Somebody was dealing with this for a very long period of time. It's over. It's over. I believe you're able to breathe good. How are you breathing? Breathe deep. You got any pain or problems? No pain? Sinus problems? I believe you're healed of that now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is anybody in here able to tell the difference in your breathing? There was about five or six people. Anybody can tell the difference already? Can you breathe better, brother? You're the same. You breathing better? Awesome. Praise God. Man, that's great. There's a healing power of God. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We agree and we receive this. Thank you for healing these people now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody here has had a problem with your bowels. I don't know. There can be all kinds of things here, but I believe that God is healing you. 
you may not want to stand and let people know this, but you know what? If you really have a problem with your bowels, you just need to be healed. Get over the embarrassment of it. <laughs> if you've had a problem with that, I want you to stand, raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. And I believe that God's going to heal you. Here's people back here, over here, here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to say that the Lord's going to set you free, <laughs> but he's going to heal you. Amen. <laughs> We believe it'll come at a timely, at a good time. Amen. Father, we thank you and agree right now in the name of Jesus, whatever's wrong with these bowels, irritable bowel syndrome, I command you to leave them. Satan, loose them and let them go. Get off these people's bodies now in the name of Jesus. Be gone. And Father, I loose your healing now to flow through their body, to clean them out. Whatever this is, an infection. Somebody's got... Uh, polyps or little things in your colon. Here's the healing power of God. That's a word of knowledge to just quicken your faith. Here's the anointing of God taking those polyps away. All of this pain is gone. Somebody's had bleeding that was associated with your bowels. That's over. This blood stops right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, thank you for healing flowing in their body. We receive this physical healing now and thank you, Jesus that they recover and that their plumbing begins to work normal in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Man, I believe some of you were healed. You may not be able to tell the difference right now, but I believe that you are healed of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just praise you and thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. A lot of great things happening down here. I believe people are being healed by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is awesome. I appreciate all of these people coming. You know, the Burks, they come all the way from Florida, pay their own way just so that they can be a blessing and help pray with people. This is great. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive all of these miracles. Thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Well, it looks like everybody who's wanting prayer is getting prayed for. Praise God. We believe that great miracles are happening. I'm going to release y'all and let you go. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you get the CDs and DVDs as well as all the other product. Thank you for coming. You are blessed. See you tomorrow in the name of Jesus.